Come on, good morning to the chapel in Richmond. Come on, give it up for the men and women of Chesterfield County Jail and Virginia Department of Corrections. Yeah, thank you. Can be seated. Well, we're in a series on spiritual awakening, a mini series. I'll tell you about that in just a second. But I love to look in the camera at the back of the room and say good morning to the chapel in Richmond, Scott's edition. Love you guys. And heard you guys had an incredible 930 service. Good morning, 1115. And uh, of course, the men and women in Chesterfield County Jail and Virginia Department of Corrections. You're part of our people, part of our community. We love you. Pray for you all the time. And uh, excited about what God's doing in the life of our our church. Well, um, if you haven't gotten those little prayer guides we put together, uh, they've been kind of they kind of serve as spiritual um, direction for us. And I want to talk to you today about um, God's good plan for prayer. And uh, this is a real burden on our heart as a church. You know, I've been a part of a lot of church. I, I grew up in church. Okay, my in fact, my dad was Roman Catholic and my mom was Pentecostal. Come on, somebody, how many know I was confused? Like and and I, but there's one thing I knew. I knew you're supposed to go. To, you're supposed to pray. I mean, like everyone talks about prayer, and and I, I don't think the question is whether or not we don't know we're supposed to pray. I don't even think the question is whether or not we've been motivated to pray. If I'm honest with you, I wonder more and more if the question is just how do I do that? What's it like? How do I experience it? I remember once hearing about somebody who challenged me to pray for an hour a day, okay, in my early 20s. And I was like, I'm going to pray for an hour a day. I'm going to do it. Like I woke up all motivated and I said, man, I, I'm praying. And I'm like, I must be getting close to an hour. You know, like I'm, and I look at my watch. Come on, somebody, 11 minutes in. I thought I've been praying an hour, you know, and, and I think we, we, we sometimes don't know how to pray. Like, tell me, pastor, don't just tell me to pray and don't just rah, rah, motivate me that I should pray. Will you help me know, like, what do I do? What does it look like? How do I communicate with God? And, and, and I think not only do we sometimes not know what to do, some of the ways we've been taught to pray are totally wrong. Come on, you, you know the spooky kid's prayer, right? You're putting him to bed. We said it last week. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray my, the, my soul the Lord to take. Amen. Good night, Jimmy. He's like, no, thank you. You know, I don't need that prayer. Or, or King James Version guy prays and you're like, I can't pray like him. And, or I can't pray. Or like, how do we pray? And so uh, we, we, uh, we thought it'd be fun for a couple weeks just to preach a couple of the prayer guides in this little prayer guide. These prayer exercises. Because they're not really devotionals to be read. They're interactive guides that are designed to help us learn the rhythm of prayer. In fact, I got to tell you how fun it has been over the last week to see so many people coming even online or in person to prayer. In fact, one of the women in our church said, she said, I was driving to church to pray and it was about 6.30 and I saw a, about a 14-year-old boy walking down the road with his backpack um, and I thought, man, I didn't, I didn't think school started this early. I wonder if he has an early class or whatever. And she said, a few minutes later in church, I looked over and he was in church. And so she, she said, I went and talked to him and he said, well, my parents weren't, weren't able to take me to prayer today, but I only live in a mile and a half away. And so she said, I was so filled with, with just emotion to know that a 14 year old little guy, come on, is getting up at 5.50 AM, getting his backpack ready and walking to church to pray. Come on. I mean, how incredible is that? And 
And so we're not trying to put guilt on you. We're not trying to put like, we're not trying to put like this restrictive thing. We're just trying to create uh, this culture in our church where communicating with God is like a part of what it's all about. It's not something we have to do. We get to do it. Can you believe this weekend that you and I can talk? We have access to the God of the universe. Can you believe that, right? Like the, the thought that he will listen to us when we call. Come on, somebody. Anybody buy teenager cell phones like me and they don't answer when you call? And it's like, I just texted you. You text me right back. I call you and I know when you're throwing it to voicemail because it, how many know it like goes right there? And I'm like, I will go right now on the app and shut that thing down. And to you, I just want to tell anyone under the age of 20, phones are able to call. Not just text. There's this feature. It's crazy. Where you can call someone and hear their voice. Amen. And uh, so, so what does it look like to have, to have a, just a natural relationship with God, communication with God? If you missed last week, we talked about one of those prayer guides. Today, besides the Lord's Prayer, this is my second favorite one. I love to participate in this one. And it comes from kind of a, an obscure passage of Scripture. In fact, in First Chronicles, there's a list of 600 names in a row. Have you ever been re- reading that part of Scripture and it's the non-fun, non-spiritual part, you know? It's like so-and-so begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so, begat so-and-so. And you're just, let's be honest, how many of you skip those names? Oh, no, you're like, nope, not me. I just crush it, you know, okay. But in the middle of this sort of run-on list of names and 600 names, The author pauses and highlights just one name and gives honorable mention to this man named Jabez. And I want you to see it. So there's just this list of run-on names. So-and-so beget, so-and-so beget, so-and-so beget, so-and-so. And And all of a sudden in chapter 4, verse 9, it singles out one guy. And Jabez was more honorable than his brother's. And his mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Okay, so Jabez, the name means pain. This is a strange thing for a mom to name her son. You know, we got like Jimmy and Susie, pain. You know, like, we don't know actually why he was called pain. Scholars debate it, but we don't know for sure. We don't know if her labor was unusually long and painful when it came to him. We don't know if he had some physical sickness. We don't know if it's a painful season in their life or family. All we know was that Jabez's name was pain. And Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, and here's his prayer right here. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain and I love these words and God what God granted his request how many know if you live long enough in life there will be pain I mean I mean I'm not I'm not trying to discourage us today but how many know Jesus said in this world you will have tribulation anybody walk through a season of pain in life right like like just disappointment, unexpected loss, uh, 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 just think you didn't see it coming, you didn't know how, and just pain hits you. And that's part of Jabez's story. I think it's actually part of our story as well, pain. In fact, when we were gone in July on a study break, one of the things we did was 
we went to Camden, New York, which is where my uh, my mother-in-law and father-in-law were, were born and raised. And we laid my father to rest, my father-in-law to rest in Camden, New York, and at a graveside service there. And we laid my father-in-law right next to the tombstone of little Christopher. And Christopher was the baby that my mother-in-law and father-in-law had given birth to. And at just several days old, Christopher went to be with Jesus and died. And as we're standing there honoring my father-in-law and friends and family there, and you could see not only Ron's headstone, but Christopher's headstone, I was reminded that life is full of pain. But I was also reminded of Ron and Doris, my father-in-law and mother-in-law's story of faith, because one of the things they regularly did was use the story of the loss of Christopher to comfort other families who were going through loss. In fact, they had a whole list. They would have it. My father had a journal of just all kinds of couples' names who had gone through the unnatural and painful experience of burying a child. And they would use their story and Christopher's story. They didn't sign up for it. They didn't want this to be part of their ministry. This wasn't their plan. But but here's what they knew, that God was still able to use painful pieces of their past to help other people. How many know you and I may not have signed up for a few of the things that hit our life, but how many believe God is able to take the disappointments, the losses, and the painful seasons of our life and actually use them for his glory? Anybody believe that today? Like, that's what he does. He folds them into his plan and purpose. I'm not saying he causes them, but I'm saying he uses them. And Jabez's life of pain is one of the reasons he's singled out and his prayer is used. And one of the reasons his prayer is used is because his prayer wasn't all about pain. He learned to not let one season of his life define his own life. I wrote this down. For most people in life, your problem isn't your problem. Your problem is you don't have anything bigger in your life than your problem. That's good preaching, isn't it today? Like how many know we'll all have disappointments in life, right? But one chapter doesn't make a whole book. One loss doesn't make a whole season. God's calling us not just to let the disappointing seasons of our life define us, but let it lead us into something good, right? That's Jabez's story. It's singled out. And I want to show you just four little phrases in his prayer that could maybe, I probably pray this once a week. It kind of serves as a little prayer guide for us to take us through the, the rhythm of four things Jabez prays for and four things that I think we, we could. You with me today? Come on. Yeah. You with me today? All right. Here we go. All right. Here, first one, and I, I put it in the King James Version just because I like the way it said it. There's no, uh, oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. I just like the indeed. Come on, let's read it out loud together. Here we go. Ready? Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. I have nothing to say about it. I just love the indeed. And here's the first thing Jabez prays for. He prays for blessing. Okay. You're here today. And you say, uh-oh, am I in the blessing church? The name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, profess it, possess it church where the pastor owns a plane and his wife has big hair and lots of makeup how many know what i'm talking about gold chair you know what i mean (laughs) let me just put you at ease uh you're not in that kind of church i could katie will never wear her hair as high as i want her to she just won't 
So the point is, it, it, we're, we're not a church that's like about making God a genie in the bottle that you rub the bottle and he comes out and says, what do you want in every moment? But I do believe throughout scripture, God actually loves to bless his people. Anybody believe that, right? I could turn, I could turn to hundreds of scriptures. I just give you two of them today. Surely, oh Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with favor as with a shield. John the apostle says, beloved, I pray that you'd prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prosper. So here's the goal that God would set his hand of goodness upon his people and bless them. And so I'm praying that. That's one of the things I pray for is blessing. And and here's the point. The reason I pray for blessing is, I don't know if you know this, you can't help other people if you don't have anything yourself. In fact, I'll never forget, when we moved here 12 years ago at the chapel, it was a great young growing church but we were located right in the heart of the city at the National Theater. And we were about 60% college students. So I had to pray every month that God would not bless the church, that he would just somehow help it survive. In fact, at every board meeting monthly, we wouldn't look at how we we would look at how much money did we lose the month before. And it literally, if we were like, we only lost 3,000. This is a great month, you know. We'd like leave happy. In fact, I'll never forget one fall, the congregation attendance went up like 150 or 200. And as the congregation attendance went up, the giving went down. And I actually told Katie, if this church grows much more, we're not going to have a church. And I remember standing there and this one college kid was having like his third cup of coffee. And I shouldn't have been, I was just like all stressed. Like, how are we going to make this work? And I said, hey, that, how many cups of coffee have you had today? And so this is my third one. And I said, well, that, bro, that's enough. You don't need to have more coffee. You don't, you don't need to have more coffee. Put the coffee, you know what I'm talking about? Like, just stressed out, you know. <laughs> We're like, God, send us someone with a job. You know what I mean? Like just a job. He's like, I'll bring my friends next week. I'm like, don't. You've got a thermos. You're taking it home with you. Watch that guy. No more coffee for you. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, along the way, I said, God, just provide. And my prayer changed about five, month, five years ago. Five years ago, we get all these calls from missionaries and needs in the community. And I said, God, what if you wouldn't just provide for the chapel? What if you'd give us like five or 10% extra? What if you would bless us extra so that when missionary needs and opportunities for the schools around us and, and benevolence requests come in, instead of standing up in front of the church and every week and begging them to help, what if you just give us a little extra through the generosity of your people that we could bless them? Let me tell you how it works now. Because of your generosity, just so you know this, Convoy of Hope just sent us an email today. They're right now in Hawaii because of we're one of the leading, like, like the, I don't know, there's a category for it, but one of the leading givers of Convoy of Hope. So that means because of our generosity right now in Hawaii, we're those massive fires have happened and the death tolls rising the good news is bottles of water are being handed up tents of care are being handed up prayer things are happening and convoy of hope literally emailed me to just say thank you come on give god praise for that right like (laughs) 
You see, you see, here's what I started to pray. God, if you would give us a little more than we need, then you'd let the blessing of God spill over the boundaries of our life so that when there's a family in the middle of a crisis, we can help them with rent and we can help bless that school with a breakfast and we can help Convoy of Hope and we can bless that missionary. Here's what I'm praying. I'm not praying that God would bless us so that we can increase our standard of living, but that God would bless us so we can increase our standard of giving and be generous and change the world around us, right? And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't want to be blessed, fine. I will put you in the cursed category, okay? But how many know God has a way of blessing his people, right? And it's not so we can do it ourselves or hold on to it. It's so that we might be a blessing to the world around us. Oh, that you would bless me. And then he prays this prayer that you would enlarge the place of my influence, my territory, the ministry that you have for us. I pray for blessing. Here's the second thing. Just write it down this weekend. I pray for the ministry God's called us to. God's called us to ministry, the place of influence, the place where we serve. You know, in the 1500s, they created a phrase in the mid-ages, two phrases, clergy and laity. And what that meant was that there were certain people that were called to be clergy, pastors and priests, and they were to do ministry. And then there were church people, laity, they were to come and receive ministry. But the amazing thing is neither of those words, clergy or laity, are in the Bible. Do you know all of us are called to be ministers? You say, how many ministers do you have at the chapel? Hundreds. Because ministry is not about a couple of people that went to seminary standing up and showing off. It's about all of us finding our God-given calling and passion and ministry to make a difference in the world around us. In fact, Paul says, or uh, in, in, as the Holy Spirit's poured out, it literally says in the last days, Acts 2, God says, I'm going to pour out my spirit, not just on some pastors, but what? Come on, somebody, on what? All people. In fact, he says it's going to be all people, uh, sons and daughters. So, so young young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. It's going to be for the guys and the girls, and it's going to be for the young and the old. Aren't you glad to be a part of a church that there are young people and old people? Come on, there we got young, we got youngish, we got stuck in the middle. That's kind of where I am. We got older. And then we got super old. And I think we need one another. If you want to know what you are, just ask the person next to you, where do I land in that category? And uh, here's how you answer them. Whatever you think, just lower it one, you know. Here's what I'm saying. We need the energy and the strength of, of young people. My son said, why do you always ask us to carry the groceries in? I said, here's the deal. I pay for them. I'm not walking down the stairs and carrying them in. You eat most of them. You pay for none of them. You know what? Leave them in the car and let them rot and starve for two weeks. But you need to do your part, okay? And, uh, and so I, I think we need the energy of the young people. How many know we need the wisdom of people that have lived and, and, and some life? We need all of it to part of. I know churches that target one group of people. We're trying to target all. I'm just saying this. If you're older, we need you. We crave your wisdom. And all the younger people, I think we have a culture in this, in this younger generation in our church that honors our elders. And we honor you today. And, and I love that. In the Bible, it says that God's got a dream for everyone. In fact, do you know some of the best ministries of our church were never thought of by any of our staff? 
Come on, where's Joel Hughes? Is he here or is he not in today? Come on, Joel Hughes right here. Joel and Wendy, they, they built the prison ministry. Try hope and try home. I mean, some of the greatest. Come on, give Jesus a hand through their ministry. I mean. Some of the, the least, uh, I've never met people that just servant-hearted lead without, like, it's not about them. It's about their ministry. I respect you so much. Respect the ministry, the fruit of your lives. And some pastors will call me and say, tell me about the chapel's prison ministry. And I say, it wasn't like a cool whiteboard session. It was just God called man and woman that had his hand on their life. And we said, how do we just come and draft off of your leadership and bless you and honor you? And I do that today. I honor your life. And In fact, if you're here and you're connected in any way to Chesterfield County Jail Harp, just raise your hand all over this room. Come on, chapel. Give God praise for that. Okay. okay. Somebody asked me, how'd you start a Spanish-speaking service? And I said, listen, I, don't, I didn't even get good grades in Spanish. I know very little Spanish. I, 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 don't, I don't know any, it wasn't this cool idea. And the pastor said, well, I think it's a cool idea. I said, we didn't, it wasn't a cool, we didn't know, we didn't we knew nothing. We just had God called leaders that already had a core of people. And we said, how do we bless and encourage and strengthen you? And we had one, we had one leader who had a passion and was God called. And then we had a businessman who had cleared out his, his back warehouse and had some empty space. And we said, what if we made church? And he said, where? And I said, in the back of the warehouse, what if we made this? into a church and he said into a church and I said into a church and so right now because of the partnership of one God called couple Pastor Ismail and Sandra and one businessman who said I'm going to donate this space there are people worshiping God in Spanish right now at this moment right it's like it's like but it's not some strategic plan. It's just people who literally prayed like this. Lord, let me see your dream for my life, right? In fact, you know, the businessman, Bill, will tell you this. He, he said, this is crazy because we've stored stuff there for years. He said, you know what's weird? Ten months ago, I started clearing out my garage. I just thought I needed to clean it. He said, God must have known. <laughs> I said, that's incredible. You know, how many know just when we dream, God will answer dreams, right? And God will lead. So, so pray for, pray for blessing, pray for ministry. God help me to be effective with what we're, I believe God's going to put some things on your hearts, some ministries on your life that only you are called and equipped for that he's going to use in a big way. So, so they prayed for blessing. They prayed for ministry. Here's the third thing. They, they, uh, wait, what did I, did I mess up? No, I didn't. Oh, prayed for presence. Yeah. He said, let your hand be with me. Prayed for God's presence. How many know we need God's presence, right? Let me show you how his hand is presence in the Bible. In the book of Acts, it says the Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. The Lord's hand was with them. And because the Lord's hand was with them, there was a, there was a ministry effectiveness there. And the Moses said to him, God, if your hand, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. One of the reasons we pray for 21 days twice a year is because it's strategically right at the start of kind of the two ministry times of the year, September and January. And it's us saying, God, we need more than cool programs. We just need your presence. And in the Bible, that picture is of the hand of God with them. I remember um, back in the day, if you're younger, 
There used to be a day when you took pictures, you didn't know if they were good yet. You remember that? You're like, I'm going to find out in a week if that was a good picture. <laughs> we were on vacation the other day, and we had, I always have young people take our picture because they're like, I will take 40. I'm like, will you take our family picture? They're like, I'm like, I need new storage, you know, for your, they're like, but you can immediately tell, well, there was back in the day, you remember old, you know, you took your film and you picked it up, and I remember you put it in books, and I was flipping through one of my mom's books, and. I was like six or seven years old. I was so proud as a little kid standing at the top of the slide in, in, at the swing set in my backyard. And, and I, I mean, I don't know the top of the slides like this high and I'm standing on top of it like so proud. I was wearing a gold chain. Gold chains used to be in and now they're back in. Okay, that's how old this was. And, uh, and I'm standing there and here I'm so proud. You can see me as a kid. I'm standing. And you know what you can see in the very corner my dad grew up construction, so he always had a tan. You could see the tanned hand of my dad on the edge of that slide. So what it looked like was me standing there like, look at me, brave and alone. But guess what? My dad was like, I got you. I'm just telling you, that's a little bit what prayer is. It's us saying, God, I don't want to just stand there alone. I really need the hand of my God with me. And Jabez says, and would you pray the hand of the Lord? It's just the blessing of the Lord. It's the direction of the Lord. It's the, I could call it the empowerment of the Lord. It's God's Holy Spirit on the inside of us. It's the difference between the best I can do and the best God can do for me. And to me, that's what prayer is. It's the difference between the best I can do and the difference between what God can do for us. Listen, as a church, we've hit stages where now we just are so dependent upon the Lord. It's like, God, we're we're launching a new campus and it's in a school and we're building a building and we're doing that at the same time and we, we are not good enough to do this. Like, I'm just making an announcement today. We are definitely, I know our team. I know myself. But we're literally just saying, God, we're just going to really need, it's not, it's not even fake humility. It's just saying, God, we're just going to really need your, when you set your hand on us, there's a grace and a strength that, that God does what only God can do. And that's what, that's what 21 days of prayer is. It's just saying, God, we really need your grace and your strength in everything we say and do. All right, I'm going to give you one more. So they pray for blessing, pray for ministry, pray for presence. Let me give you one more. Nudge the person next to you and tell them, wake up. Come on, tell them, wake up. Come on, tell them it in the lobby. Come on, lobby, tell them, wake up. And here we go. Here we go. Here's the last thing. And he's praised these words. I love these words. And keep me from harm. Come on, say this with me. Keep me from what? Keep me from harm. Here's the fourth thing. He prays for blessing. And he prays for ministry. And he, and he prays for God's presence. And lastly, he prays for protection. Okay. So you need to know the chapel is not a church that believes everything is Satan's fault. If you don't get an oil change for 15,000 miles... The devil did not break your car. If you don't study for the test and you fail it, the devil did not attack you. You lazy. But I do believe that we have a real enemy. 
And Ephesians 6 says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and powers of darkness of this present world. How many believe we have a real enemy called the devil, right? In fact, Peter the apostle warns us of this. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, resist him. So it's a picture of the enemy. And so what I love about Jabez's prayer is it ends by saying, God, I'm going to need your protection. I'm going to need your protection. And that's one of the things I think we pray over 21 days of prayer. As I'm praying through this, this is one of the prayers I pray maybe every week. God, would you bless, would you provide in every way? And for the ministry you've called me to, my family to, our church to, God, we need you. Man, we need your presence and your strength and everything we do. Set your hand upon us. And lastly, God, protect my children. Protect our church. Protect my family. Protect this community. There's something about 21 days of prayer. It's almost like we just say, God, like an umbrella. We come underneath the protective hand of God. Would you protect us? A couple weeks ago, we ended our time away in Orlando in August. I was walking through the lobby in this people in front of me had umbrellas and I said man I didn't know it was raining and we went outside and it wasn't raining and up came the umbrellas you know what I realized in Florida in August you put your umbrella up to avoid the sun I mean it is like hell's waiting room out there it's that hot when you pop up that umbrella you're just saying there's something underneath the shade of this umbrella that I, to me that's part of what I know to me, that's part of what 21 days of prayer is. You just hear, hear like my pastor heart on it. It's saying, God, before we do anything, we really need your protection. There's unity in this house, God, and you're God. The Psalm 133 loves when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, so keep us unified. God, provide every need. We're taking steps of faith, and you're going to guide, and we're underneath. And God, for the families in our church and the direction of where we're headed and the future and the community, God, protect, protect, protect. Hey, is it okay this 21 days of prayer if I pray for God's protection over your family? Is it okay if I pray for God's protection over your marriage and your kids and your business? Is it okay if we join our faith together as a church and pray God's protection over this community, right? So here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to, in these sermons, really less, not really preach a sermon. I'm trying to give us some prayer flow, some prayer guide. God, help us to pray for your blessing and for your ministry. God, help us to pray for your presence. And lastly, help us to pray for protection. You say, make sure you see how rooted this is in scripture. Even Jesus at the end of the prayer, he taught us to pray. Matthew 6, Luke 11, the Lord's prayer. He says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. Most scholars think the most accurate translation is from the evil one. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. What, what's he doing? He's praying protection. In fact, in Peter at the end, he says, Satan has desired to sift you of wheat, but I have great news for you. I prayed for you. I prayed protection over your soul. I prayed protection over your life. My dad, man, my dad was old school. Before we'd get, when we'd get in the car and we'd start to drive, he'd say, God, let your angels encamp on the four corners of this car as we drive. I'm telling you, he needed to pray. He was a terrible driver, you know. My mom would remind him, hey, at 80 miles an hour, the angels bump out. So like, 
I'm just telling you what. I'm just telling you what. There have been times that I sense God's hand of protection, God's hand of life. There's been times I've heard moms say, I prayed for my kid at just this moment, and I didn't know this was going I prayed at just, I woke up and thought about you, and I prayed for you. How many know God is a God who hears the prayer of his people, and he protects his people? And That's all I'm saying. We, we pray prayer of protection over our life. It's not a magic formula, but I'm telling you there's something about just resting underneath the umbrella of God's protection. Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Almighty will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, you are my refuge and strength, my God in whom I trust. There's a sense of us just saying, God, I'm, in, in, I'm putting myself under your covering. I'm, I'm inching in underneath your umbrella. And I'm just trusting everything I have, God, is going to be under your protective care. And that's what we do for 21 days. We say, God, you're going, to, you're going to do some things in the next few months that are going to blow us away. But God, we're putting it all under your care. All under your ruling. All under your control. You're in charge of it all, God. And we're trusting ourselves completely. Would you stand with me all over this room? And I'm going to close us in prayer in just a second. Stand in Scott's edition and stand in the lobby. I'm going to ask you to give me 90 seconds as we close here today. We're going to close different. We normally close with a half a song. But I wanted to give you just a feel. I'm going to do it real quick. In my own prayer time, that prayer might take me 10 minutes or 15 minutes. But I'm going to give you the 90-second speed-up version of what it would sound like to hear that kind of prayer flow. And again, I'm just, I'm, I'm not trying to prescribe our praying. I'm just trying to equip us so that when we go to God in prayer, we have some, and you can get this booklet and you can pray right through this. It's just, it's being led by scripture and it's praying the word of God. I love praying the word of God. Let me just say one thing. The devil is a liar and lies are combated by truth. And when we speak God's word, it conquers over error. And I actually believe in praying God's word. That there's some kind of power in that. So can I have 90 seconds today? And let's, let's just go to God in prayer. And let me pray God's blessing. If you want to hold your hands out like this, God, I pray over your people in this room in Midlothian. I pray over your people in the jail, God. I pray over your people in the lobby. I pray over your people in Scott's Edition in Richmond, oh God. Oh, that you would bless them indeed, God, for not only their needs would be met, but in this next season, you would cause unusual provision to hit their lives, that they might not just uh, raise their standard of living, but giving and generosity. Every place they lack, oh God, just be a provider. Surprise them, oh God, with promotion and blessing and savings that they would not even know, oh God, bless them. And pray for every ministry thing, God, the things you put on their heart, the dreams for the ways their world would change. God, would you bless the ministries of the chapel? God, I pray for small groups that aren't, are in your mind today and they're going to be launched this semester and filled with the lonely folded into community. Oh God, would you do that? God, I pray for the ministry at VCU today as students are arriving and unpacking. God, they're going to meet you this year. God, in, in college ministry and John Tyler and other places in our community be folded into community. Oh God, and I pray for your presence. Jabez said, let your hand be upon us. Oh, come on, lift your voices with me. God, would your hand be upon us? Your hand upon our families, your hand upon our lives, your hand upon our ministries. Oh, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. 
And lastly, God, I pray protection over every family. God, over our children, protect their minds, protect their spirit, protect their hearts, oh God. Over marriages, protect the intimacy and connections there, oh God. I pray protection over people's physical health and their businesses and everywhere they go. Oh God, the enemy would seek to devour, but we raise up a standard of your protection. We put ourselves under your umbrella, over under your covering today, oh God. And I pray the divine protection of God. We trust you, oh God. And thank you that your word says, and the Lord granted his request. As we walk out these doors, oh God, we know that you are going with us. We know that you're for us. We know that your hand is upon us. Teach us to call on your name during these days of prayer, and we'll be careful to give you praise and glory and honor, for we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. God bless you, chapel. Have an amazing week. We'll see you tomorrow morning for prayer. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week.